There is this thing Martin Luther back in the 1500s helped us understand. We call it the priesthood of all believers. That if you are a believer, you are called to be a pastor or a priest. To some of us, God's calling us to, to a ministry in our, in our work. Others of us, God's calling us to a specialized ministry, maybe to women or men. We're going to talk about that kind of stuff here today. But what I want to challenge you about today is getting clear on God's call on your life. It's, it's June. It's June. And the fall season is coming. Can I just tell you that if the ministry leaders of this church don't get clear about their calling right now, about what this fall looks like, listen, there will be a price to pay for our, be paid for our ministry if we're not clear about what our ministry looks like in the upcoming season. And I would say that about my life. If I'm not clear about the next season of my life, about what God's calling is, there'll be a price to be paid. And that'll be the same for you, for your family, for your work, for your church. It's so important that you get clear about God's calling. If you have that outline with me, I want to open with a couple of scriptures and then we're going to pray together, okay? First scripture is Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. And that's Moses, right? Remember Moses? I shared that story last weekend. Moses is standing before God. It's a burning bush moment. God has pulled Moses away from the shepherd field. God's got Moses right in front of him. And God looks at Moses and God says, listen, I've got a work for you to do. I can hear my people's cries. They're in bondage in Egypt and I'm calling you to go rescue them. Moses looks at God and he says, me? You're calling me? Are you sure you've got the right person? Me? And God says, listen, I have a work for you to do. Moses said, what if I tell them that you sent me, but they don't believe me? And there's that scripture, Exodus 4.2. God says, what is that in your hand? Remember last week I talked about that? I taught from that. There was a shepherd's staff in God's hand, and God called him to throw it down. And I won't preach you that whole message from last week, but God asked him to throw it down, and he was going to show him, teach him something through that staff. And I said something that I just passed by. But I said something to you last week, and I want to start off with it today. That that question, what is that in your hand? I said last week, it is the second most important question that you're going to answer in your life. What has God put in your hand? What is he wanting to use in your life for his kingdom? How is he calling you to use what's in your hand for his work? What is that in your hand? It's the second most important question you're ever going to have to deal with in life. And it's what we're going to talk about today. Now, the first most important question is, what, do you, what did you do with my son Jesus? Did you receive him into your life? That is the number one question. But the number two question is, after you receive Christ, and I've got a work for you to do, what are you going to do with the stuff I've put in your hand? Your hands are important. I found this scripture this past week in Proverbs 3.27. Notice the word hands. Don't withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in the power of your hand to do it. I'm going to read that one more time. Don't withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do it. Did you know there was power in your hands? Did you know there was power in your hands? God's put stuff in your hands. God's got a calling on your life. And I want to talk to you for the next short while from Scripture about you getting real clear about what that calling is. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray together? Just wonder if, as we begin to study God's Word today, if you'd pray a prayer of openness. God, here I am, and you know everything about me. You know what last week looked like. 
You know where my thoughts are today and you know everything that's coming into my life this next week. And I'm here today because I want a personal word from you. I need to hear from you about my family. I need to hear from you about my job. I need to hear from you about my career. I need to hear from you about the way I think and what I say. I need you and your word in my life. So today, Lord, whatever word you would choose to speak over me, Abba, Daddy, God, I'm open. Give me ears to hear and help me hear well. Give me an open heart to plant and I'm sorry, to receive the planted seed of your word right now. Give me an open heart. I will receive it. And I ask you to bear fruit in my life today as we talk about your call on my life and what you're calling me towards. This is my prayer, God. I pray, that, pray this prayer of openness in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me, and we're going to focus in on the ministry of Jesus. Uh, so, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 9, and I want to invite you to maybe uh, look into that scripture with me. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to pick up in verse 35, and I want to talk about God's calling and how God wants to communicate with us and to clarify His call on our lives, how He wants to use us. And so, as I get ready to read the scripture, let me just kind of paint the picture real quickly. I'll get, get the context. Jesus, when he began his ministry, started calling people. He started calling people into his ministry. Now, notice this. He did not call the religious people. He didn't go call the seminary trained ones. He didn't go say, let me get a bunch of pastors or let me get a bunch of professors. You know what Jesus did? Jesus started calling people from all different kind of professional ministries. I mean, some of them were tax collectors, some of them were fishermen, some of them, were, they did all kinds of different trades, and he started calling people. Now, here's how it worked. He did not invite them to do ministry right away. They watched him do ministry. And so when Jesus' ministry begins, he's got this ragtag bunch of followers who have said, okay, I'll follow you. They have sensed God's presence in their lives, and for some reason they've accepted this call of faith to follow this kind of radical rabbi. But in the first part of his ministry, Jesus does ministry while they watch him do ministry. And then about midway through his ministry, a shift happens. As a matter of fact, a big portion of that shift happens right here in Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus then begins to invite those that he's called to start doing the ministry they've seen him doing. He's going to invite them into his ministry. As a matter of fact, a little bit later, he's going to send them out all by themselves. So this is, this is a very important moment. So let's watch Jesus and let's try to understand how Jesus was clear, knew his call clearly and how we can, we can discern how God wants to clarify his calling on our lives. So we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. The Bible says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Let me pause there for just a minute, just give you a couple notes, and you might, hey, you're welcome to write anything you want to down in the little margins of your notes there, but I want to point out a couple of things. I like that it says Jesus traveled through all the villages and towns. Um, Jesus didn't only go to the populated places or the well-educated places or the money places. 
The Bible says that Jesus traveled from town to town to town to town. So there would have been moments where he, had, he was around a lot of people, and there would have been moments where he was around these little small areas, some that were more rural, some that were more urban, some that were just, just you know, they were, they were, there was all different kinds of environments. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, of that area. If you have your pen, you might want to underline those three words, of that area. I've been, to, I've been to Israel twice. I've been blessed to be to the Holy Land twice. And I, it was like a spiritual retreat for me when I was journeying from town to town because I knew that this is the place where Jesus administered. And I think I've told you before that shortly after one of my trips to Israel, we took a trip right across the water over to Greece. And I remember walking up the steps of the Parthenon in Athens, Greece, walking up the steps of the Parthenon, and this thought occurred to me. And here was the thought. I thought to myself, Jesus could have been right here on the steps of the Parthenon in about a five-day boat journey. This was the epicenter of the world, Athens, Greece. A lot of philosophy was coming out of that place at that time. And I was walking up the steps of the Parthenon, and this thought came to me. Jesus could have been here in a five-day journey, I mean, uh, across the water. Why didn't he come? I pulled one of my professors aside, and I said, now, maybe you already know the answer to this question, but I didn't, okay? And I was working on my doctoral degree, right? I'm climbing up the steps. I pulled one of my New Testament scholars aside, and I said, why didn't Jesus come here? I mean, if I was doing ministry, I would have came to Athens, Greece. I would have come to the Parthenon. I would have come to this place, because this would have been an awesome place to preach the gospel. And he looked at me, and he said, don't you know? He said, Jesus knew that he was called to Israel. Jesus was a Jew, and he spent his entire life and his entire ministry in one zone. He didn't feel like he had to get out of that zone. His calling, listen, was so clear that he knew the people God had called him to. And he trusted that God had called him to that. And beyond that, the Father would bless his ministry beyond just that place. When I see those words, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages, that's there in Israel, right, of that area. Jesus' calling was so clear, he knew he didn't have to go all over the world. He knew the specific little small place that God had called him to, and he changed the world from that little place because calling was so clear. Now watch this. He was teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. What is that good news? That God had come near. His first message, he said, I have pro- I'm proclaiming the good news that God has come near. So, uh, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You'll notice in your outline there, I've bolded a word. And the word that I've bolded is a word that I'm going to talk with you about for a minute, and it's the word compassion. You might even want to underline it. If you're doing that in your Bible, maybe you underline it. The word compassion. Now, in, in the Greek where that's written there, it's far greater than just one English word. We use the word compassion, but in the Greek, the word is, is gut-wrenching, okay? When, when he saw the crowds, his heart went out to them. When he saw the crowds, he got sick to his stomach. When he saw the crowds, his 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 insides turned over because they were confused and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had a 
had an emotional response to the thing that he saw when he saw people who were struggling. He, he hurt deeply. And that's the first thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to clarifying your call. If you're ever going to get clear on what God's called you to do on this planet, why he puts you on the planet, and what your purpose is, know this. Number one, write this down. It starts with the heart, okay? It starts with your heart. It starts with God's heart. It all starts with the heart. Now, let's tap into Jesus' heart for a minute before we kind of unpack this. Jesus, the Bible says, had compassion on those people because they were like sheep who, did, who were helpless and did not have a shepherd. Jesus' heart was stirred. Now, what does that mean exactly? Why, why? I guess that's the big question. Why did Jesus have such a heart of compassion for these people he ran into? There's a movie out right now, and I have not seen it. I want to confess it, okay? There's a movie out right now called The Young Messiah. Have you heard about it? Um, it's a wonderful thing about these movies right now is there's so many faith-based movies coming to the cinemas. But I did read a review about The Young Messiah, and I wanted to watch it before this message, but I haven't had a chance to watch it. But uh, in this movie, The Young Messiah, it's a fictional storyline. What, what happened during Jesus' life? And it's an imagining what happened during those years when Jesus was down in Egypt and he was so young? And did he, did he know that he was God or did across the way he begin to learn he had extra powers and he learned that he was the son of God? And one of the things that the author does in that, that screenplay that the movie was done, if you've seen it, you know more about it than I do, is they put in certain thoughts to help you understand maybe how Jesus' heart was affected. So for example, Jesus in this little storyline experienced bullying, Okay. He was different than the other kids. And so he experiences bullying, and he knows what it's like to be bullied. Don't you know how that can affect somebody's heart? Don't you know how that can stir somebody else's compassion when they see somebody else bullied? The author understands that Joseph and Mary were poor, so poor that they didn't even have cattle, and cattle and, and livestock and sheep were one of the ways that, the main ways that you had money back in that day. Do you know that Jesus was a carpenter, right? His parents didn't have land, and his parents didn't even have animals. They were that poor. They, 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 uh, Josephus, the historian, tells us that they had the most lowly of all estates. They worked with their hands. And so they, the author in that screenplay, The Young Messiah, talks about what it would have been like for Jesus to grow up poor and to experience poverty and then to walk through the streets and see people who were poor and didn't have land, didn't have animals, and how he would have compassion on them. So here's what I know. I haven't seen that movie, but that movie starts to make me think about what was it that made Jesus have such a heart that cared for people when he saw them hurting? When he saw them, and the Bible says they were like sheep who were helpless and without a shepherd. What was it? Was it that he had talked with his father was it that he saw them in their hurt? Was it that he knew when he, like I'm looking across this crowd, could he look at each person and know the deepest needs in their life because he had the power of God? What was it inside of Jesus that gave him that compassion? Here's what I, here's what I know. I know that Jesus was fully God. Okay, I know that. But can I also tell you this? I know that he was fully man. He had the same limitations on him that I have, that you have. He had limits. He had he had moments where he could only go to the edge of his own energy. And so how did Jesus have a heart that was so connected to him with the Father that he maintained clarity in his call? That he never get fuzzy about what he was on the planet to do. What was it about Jesus' heart 
that helped him maintain that kind of compassion where he zoned into the Father's heart and he stayed clear on why God had put him on the planet as he journeyed through his life. And the answer to that question is simply this. Jesus knew that if he was going to stay clear on his calling, he had to sync his heart up with his Father's heart and he did it regularly. He did it over and over and over again. By the way, real quickly, remember last week I was talking about Moses? Don't you realize that's what God's doing at the burning bush? God wants to get Moses clear on a new call that he's given him. Moses, I want you to go rescue the people, my children from Israel. But do you notice what God says? God says to Moses, he just doesn't say, hey, i got a job for you to do now, go do it. What does God say? God gives Moses a piece of his heart. He says, Moses, I can hear my children weeping. I can hear their cries. I hear them crying out from Egypt, and I am going to rescue them, and I've called you to do it. You know what that, he's doing in that moment. God the Father is giving Moses his heart, and Moses is getting his heart to be transformed by becoming more like the heart of God. Moses didn't have compassion for those people. Those people were on the hunt for him. He was a murderer, right? All of a sudden, God's heart changes Moses' heart. This is exactly what Jesus did all the time. Every day when Jesus was starting his time with the Father, Jesus was putting his heart with his Father's heart, and his heart was being filled with the Father's agenda, the Father's call. Can I tell you, many of you who know our story here at Harvest Point, when God called me to plant a church that did not exist, I knew one thing and one thing clearly that there was something wrong with my heart, that I had a heart that was far away from God for God's lost people and God's lost things, and that if God was calling me to plant a church, He would have to change my heart. I've paralleled it before, like the Grinch. Remember the Grinch who stole Christmas, how his heart grew, you know, ten times that big or whatever, right? God pulled me aside in a very strategic moment when I was getting ready to answer the call to start this church and God, I, went, I just picked up the Bible, and I, and I went back to the ministry of Jesus, and I saw how Jesus was over and over again going to people, not the religious people. He was going to the people who were unconnected, who were de-churched, unchurched. They were far from God. They'd given up on God. They'd given up on the church. He was going to those people. The Bible even says that Jesus was known as a person who hung out with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was not hanging out with church folks. Jesus was hanging out with those people who were far away from God. And it was in a moment where I'm studying these scriptures that God pulls his heart out, and he says, this is my heart. My heart is for lost things. My heart, I've got, I've got sheep all over the place who are helpless. They don't have a shepherd. Nobody's looking after them. Would you go after them? And all of a sudden, my heart changed, and my calling got clear. Here's the deal. Mama, Daddy, grandma, granddaddy, leader of the church, leader of the business. If you're going to get clear about your calling, here's one thing I know for sure. It starts with your heart. And if you're confused about where you're going, and if you don't know what the next season of your life holds, you don't know what's happening in your job, you don't know what's going to happen in your family, if you don't know where you're headed, I can tell you no different than me, you got a heart problem. You have got to get with the Father 
And you've got to talk with him about his heart. And you've got to talk with him about your heart. And you've got to let him have a say in your heart because he has something to say about what he's calling you towards. You know, what would that look like for you if God pulled you aside? And it may not be a Moses moment, right? I want you to go to Egypt, Jeff, and rescue my people. But what if God called you aside and he said, hey, I got, there is one thing that I've got for you to do, and it's not for anybody else to do. I've got one thing that is for you to do. Would you be open to hear it? Would you have made space in your life to get God's heart on something? For some person, that might be, you know what? It, it, God doesn't want to add to my life. He just wants me to get clear about I'm supposed to be an awesome mom right now. And I need to get clear about what does that look like to be an awesome mom to my kids. But for another person, it might be starting a brand new ministry. Oh, God wants me to get busy about women in this church. He wants me to make sure every lady in this church is growing like God and is getting to be more of a virtuous woman. And for another person, it might be, you know, plugging into a ministry here at our church and getting in board with men or small groups. Another person, it might be, you know what? God has been, God has given me a vineyard, a platform at my office and I'm not even using it nearly like God wants me to do. He wants me to get my heart and get my heart clear about what he wants me to do in my job or over my workplace or how to minister to my employees. Are you open to get clear about the ministry God has for you? It starts with your heart. And I hope you picked that up from Jesus. Jesus had compassion. And that thing inside of his heart gave him a clarity of his call. Now read this next scripture right out of Matthew chapter 9. It says he had compassion. Now, what does he say? He looks at his disciples. Now, remember, he's got this thing going on inside of him, right? The Bible says he's got compassion. His heart is broken. His stomach is turning up. He's got this emotion stuff inside of him. And the Bible says he looks at his disciples and he says to them, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Jesus sees this huge harvest field, but not enough workers in it. Now watch what he does, because he's going to call them to ministry, and what is the very first ministry he calls them to? Watch this. So pray. There's the first ministry. There's the first calling to the disciples. So pray to the Lord, who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now at the moment, they don't know this. They don't understand what Jesus is saying, but you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, listen, my heart is broken by the huge harvest and so few workers in the field. He looks at his disciples and he says, I want you to have the same kind of passion and urgency and heart cry that I have. It's going to happen when you start to pray, talk, converse with the Father about the harvest. I want you guys, I want y'all to start talking, conversing with the Father about this huge harvest field out here. And I want you to talk with him about sending more workers into that harvest field. You want to get clear on your car? call? Write this one down. It starts with the heart, all right? And then it moves into prayer. Prayer is so important. God reveals our calling. God reveals our calling. And I would even, for some of you, I would add the word, it's not so much about revealing, it's about refining, okay? So you might want to write the word refining. God reveals or God refines our calling when we spend time with Him in prayer. What I want you to grab here, what I want you to grab here is 
can I, can I use, I'm going to use a high moment and a low moment here. Follow me. And in your outline, I didn't, I didn't bring me a whiteboard to do it with. Maybe you just follow me along here, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to talk from the platform and I'm going to talk from the floor, okay? From the platform. If you maybe flip that outline over and just write the word on the very top of, just write the word greatness, okay? Greatness. Jesus had seen the greatness of heaven. He had seen the greatness of God the Father. He had seen the perfect kingdom of God. Jesus' home was not this home. Jesus' home was not earth. Jesus' home was in greatness. He had seen all the beauty of the Father and, and all the splendor of heaven. Jesus was a part of greatness, okay? Now, here we go. I'm going to go down a little bit lower than that. Write the word beneath that somewhere. Write the word brokenness. Brokenness. Jesus came into our world, and what did he see? He found broke people everywhere. He found people broken with no purpose. They had no hope. He found people who were lost and wandering. He found people who were substituting the, the very... The very hurt that God, uh, the, 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 the need in their lives with false gods. They were, they were worshiping false gods. They were broken. They were running to other things when they, when they needed to be running to God. There was brokenness. Now, Jesus is being put into a broken place. And I've already said it starts with his heart. But I want you to watch how he connected with the greatness of God. He began in this broken place every day talking with his great father, okay? On your, on your little space in between, maybe you just write an arrow going down and an arrow going up. There's this con conversation happening with here. His father is in greatness. His father's giving him a big picture view. Jesus is in the context of brokenness and they're having this God conversation. Jesus is seeing brokenness everywhere and they're having this God conversation about the brokenness. And Jesus is receiving from his father his calling. In my little outline, I have the word greatness on top, the word brokenness on the bottom, this interaction in between, and a word right out to the side, and the word is simply this, calling. Calling. If you're ever going to get clear on your calling, you got to understand you are surrounded. You cannot help it. You live in a world of brokenness. You live in a world where Values are turned upside down. So we, we talk about the greatness of America. Can we just talk the truth matter? We live in a broken, sinful, backwards culture of a world, right? I mean, our world is messed up upon messed up upon messed up. And if you're ever going to understand the big calling in your life, you've got to start having a conversation with the great God, the God who sees all, who knows what He wants to do and say, God, what's the big thing you want me to do in this world? What can I begin to invest my life towards? What is the calling you have for me? Can I tell you that that's exactly what my brother's been doing for the last short while? He is 56 years old. All right, and that's not too old, is it? I mean, for some of y'all, y'all think that's very old, but 56 years old, I mean, he's got a whole season ahead of him, doesn't he? Would you, Johnny, shake your head? You would agree, right? 56, right? You know what my brother began to do? He began to ask God, God, I, I, I mean, I'm still young, I'm kind of young, I, but I got more years. What do you really want me to start doing? What, what would be the next season of my life? And my brother started getting clear about his calling. He started think, talking with God about the next season. And see, I think that's what God called you to this church here today to do. 
I think God wants you to just, just ask yourself, what's the next season look like for you? You ain't got no five seasons from now. You ain't got no seven years from now. Just think about the next season. What's God calling you to do in the next season of your life? This morning I was talking with a young lady. Actually, she was talking and I was listening to her. A young lady named Kimberly, who is a college student. Boy, can you just think about the season in front of her? And the next season in front of her? And all the seasons God's got. But you know, as she sat there and talked, I thought to myself, I have a freshman in college. And I so, as she was talking, I was sitting there thinking, almost like a dad, I was thinking, I so want this young lady, just like I want from my own son, to be so clear about what God's calling to, to be on mission, not be wasting years of your life, not go to college and go, oh, sophomore year, I got forever, I don't got to worry about what the next season holds. No, you want to, I believe every one of us, we want, we all want to live our life laser focused on mission for God, making a difference in the world. So what does the next season look like? And listen, it's never going to happen for Kimberly if she doesn't have this conversation in the middle of all this brokenness, this conversation with her great father to say, Father, there's so much I can do. There's so many things I can run after, and I can spend so much of my energy there, 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 there. What do you want me to do? And the father will be very specific about the call he has on her life, just like he'll be on your life, just like he was with Moses, just like he was with me. He has a work for you to do. It starts with the heart, and you need to get his heart. But it's only going to happen in prayer. God reveals and he refines our calling in conversation, in prayer with him. I got a friend right now who's a lifelong friend of mine. He called me on the phone the other day, and I just, he said, he said to me, here was his exact words. He said to me, he said, I'm struggling right now. He said, I think I'm going to change careers. And he said, there's this restless thing inside of me. And I just can't, I can't even name the restless thing. I don't know. Now, I know why he's calling me. He's calling me so he can get some, some God perspective, okay? And so I gave him that. I said, listen. I said, you're at a great pace in your life. You, you got a season ahead of you. But you don't need to choose what that next season is. You don't need to guess what that next season is. You don't need to just send your resume out to a thousand places and hope you land in the right spot. More than anything else, you know what you need? You need time with the Father. You need to create some sacred space. And if that's a long walk with God where you just talk, or if that's a season of fasting, you need time with Him because He knows he knows exactly what he's calling you towards. He knows the next season of your life. You need to put everything else on hold and say, I've got to have some time with my daddy. I've got to have some time with my Abba. I've got to get clear on the next season of my life. I've got to know what his voice is. And I promise you, listen, in this book, he did it with Moses, but it came through a season of prayer. He did it with Esther. Big call, right? But it came through a season of prayer. He did it with Nehemiah. I've got a job for you to do, off in a foreign land. But it came through a season of prayer. I promise you I would have never been able to do the work that God called me to do to plant this church if I didn't spend a significant amount of time examining the brokenness of our world and talking with a great God and basically asking Him, 
God, as I enter into this next season of my life, what is, what is the thing that you want me to do that is a big thing for you? What great thing are you calling me towards? You might want to, maybe you just put that in your notes somewhere. Maybe you circle that out and you just begin to have a conversation with God about that question. What great thing are you calling me towards? What is it? What is the next great thing for me, God, that you have for me? In your, in your outline here, I wrote you a few questions. And these questions are just questions that I thought about. They might be helpful for you to think about what are the things that maybe God's got for you to do. Maybe you should ask yourself, what's, what's in my story? When I, wrote, when I wrote that question, I thought about some people who had, who had past pain, I thought about somebody who had had a place of addiction in their life. You know what? If you've had a place of a past pain or addiction or, or a certain experience, oftentimes God wants to use that in your ministry, and that will help you clarify your call because of what you've been through, okay? So ask yourself in that conversation with God, God, what's in my story, and what might you want to use in my story to be what you, you do in my life in that next place of calling? Look at that next question. What needs are right in front of you right now? This is one of the things that that God does. He reveals needs to us, and, and we need to have a conversation about Him with those needs. I love it when people in our church come up to me and they say, Pastor Stephen, have you noticed this over here? And they'll put their finger on a need, and I'll go, no, I didn't even see that. God revealed it to them. And then they look at me and they say, what you going to do about it? And I go, God didn't show it to me. He showed it to you. What you going to do about it, Right? So ask yourself, what needs are right here in front of me that I, can, that I know are here that I could apply myself to? Here's a third question. What people has God placed around you? Boy, when I need to get clear on my call, do you know when I, I sit down oftentimes with just a white sheet of paper and I start writing out people groups. And sometimes I start writing out individual names that I know God wants me to minister to specifically. I'll just listen to his voice. I'll start writing down names. People. Think people. Think people groups. Think Think what people God has put around you. And then look at that next question. What is God's APB, all points bulletin, that he's putting in front of you? And if you don't know that, by the way, it's okay to ask him that question. God, what is the thing? What is the thing you got for me? That ain't for anybody else on the planet. What is the thing that you have for me? You know, maybe God's got something for you that you didn't even expect. Maybe you're, in, maybe you're in school right now, or maybe you're young and married, and, and God's got a work for you that you didn't even expect. Or maybe God wants to, you to get clear on the call that's right here in front of you with your young children right now. Maybe you're getting closer to retirement, or maybe you are retirement, and you need to learn that there's no such thing as retirement, okay? I have a friend of mine who says, yes, there is. I get retired, right? I get I, new tires, new wheels, right? I get new tires, and I'm just on, off on a different journey. I need to figure out what that next journey is, what that next big God call is. Okay, yeah, there is such a thing. What are your next wheels going to look like? As you get retired, what's that going to look like for you? Now, real quickly, just a couple of thoughts. I wrote down some dangers, okay? And I want you to to think about these seriously as you think about God clarifying your call. I I want you to write down three of them, okay? The first one is this, and this is huge. And I wrote it down first for a reason. It is number one. The first one is the word delay. Write that down. There's a great danger when God, when all of a sudden we start getting clear about our call with God, and that is that we would put, we would hear it, 
and we, God would say, here, I got something for you to do, and we would hear it, and then we'd go, <laughs> okay, I'm going to do that one day, God, okay? I, I call it when-then thinking, and it, by the way, is stinking thinking, okay? When-then thinking is stinking thinking, all right? Okay, God, I'll run towards that, but whenever this, 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 and this happen, then I'll know that I'm supposed to move towards that thing. When this happens, then I will do that. Can I tell you, I'm so proud of my brother, but for a long time, this is the greatest danger in his world. He knew God had a call on his life. God put a call on his life when he was very young, but that danger of delay, that fear that was there, and then we'll get into the next danger in just a minute. Those two first things had big holds on his heart. And so I would say, make sure that you don't delay. Make sure that you don't delay what God is calling you to do. Um, read John 4.35. It, talk, it talks about the timing and, and what God wants you to do. Do not, do not delay when God's word is there. Move on it. Write down this, the second danger. The second danger is discouragement discouragement. And you can put any other word you want around this because there's a bunch of other words that go with this, but there's a great danger here. And that is that you could get discouraged and you could want to give up or, or you'd be afraid to run. You might want to write the word fear down there, you know, or that you'd be pessimistic or you'd be worried. Listen, do not let discouragement, do not let fear, do not let worry keep you from doing the very thing that God called you to do. I wrote down that scripture there, John 16, 33. You know, you know what scripture that is? That's where Jesus stood up one day and he said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have problems. It's not going to be a rose garden. But he said, have faith in me. I have overcome the world. He says he'll walk with you into any calling he's given you. So you're going to have trouble. You know, when I was answering the call to plant this church, you think I thought it was going to go easy? <laughs> no. But that didn't, the, the, the understanding that I was going to get discouraged sometimes, and it was going to get hard, and there was going to be fear, might be worry involved, that didn't keep me from answering the, the, the call of God. And don't let it keep you from answering God's call in your life. So don't delay, don't let discouragement stop you, and then write this one down, DIY, write that one down. Anybody know what that means? What's DIY? Do it yourself. Don't let that, don't be a fool, okay? Don't let, that's a huge danger. If you think God's calling you to do something all by yourself, normally you're dead wrong, okay? If you'll watch God's practice of ministry, normally he's calling us to always partner with other people. Jesus had all the, all the power that, that he needed to do what he was going to do, or did he? Jesus himself knew he wasn't going to do, do a DIY ministry. When he started his ministry, he started calling other people, and he said, I need you. Come follow me. Let's go together. He was going to call other people to partner with him in ministry. God has called you to partner with other people, too. So who are those people? And don't do it yourself. There's not supposed to be something in ministry called Lone Ranger ministry, okay? Even God gave Tonto the Lone Ranger. I mean, Lone Ranger Tonto, Right? Uh, so we need to have others that come alongside us, that help us in the ministry. Do not go it alone. I'm sitting here looking at Sandy Brennan, and God has called Sandy to lead a phenomenal work that we're going to be launching this fall in our women's ministry. And if there's one thing for sure, you better not do it alone, right? Because if you do it by yourself, it will not end well, Right? So don't do, there's no DIY ministry, no, no DIY God called. I mean, think about Moses. Let's, one more time. Last time I'll go back to Moses. Moses call, God calls Moses, right? And then he doesn't say, go do it by yourself. He gives him Aaron. He gives him somebody to help him, doesn't he? This is the way it works. 
God called me to this church. I knew that there were people that were going to be strategic in the helping of planting this church. I could not do it by myself. And I asked some people, come and go with me and answer this call together. Let's run at this thing together. No do-it-yourself ministry. What are we saying? I'm going to close down, okay? You're going to get clear about the next season in your life. You're going to get clear about God's calling. Let's review. Starts with the heart. If you get all intellectual, you think you figured out all in your mind, you're so wrong. You need the Father's heart. You need to have some heart time with your, your Father, okay, God. Second thing is, how's that going to happen? Through some time in prayer where you converse. God reveals and He refines His calling, His next work for you to do in that conversation. So start spending a lot of time with Him, talking with Him about what He has in store. And then finally, number three, write this one down. Humbly bow before God and accept the call. Humbly bow before God and accept the call. Now watch this. When God tells you what he's got in store for you, you might, it might be so big it blow your socks off, okay? It might be so sobering that you get afraid. I bet like Moses, God might be speaking, he might have a plan in one of your places where he said he has a word and a work for you to do. And like Moses, your first response is, not me, I can't talk well, I don't have the best education, somebody else. I mean, Moses was doing anything he could to back out of it, you know? Listen, can I tell you, the best thing you can do when you know God's saying do something, when you know that it's him, you know it ain't the burrito from last night, you know it's God. You know what I'm talking about? The best thing that you can do is humbly, by faith, bow before him. You don't even need to say the words, I don't feel adequate, I don't feel like I can do it, I don't know how I'm going to do it. You don't even say that. All you got to do is say, I accept this calling from you. I'll never forget the moment that I was struggling to answer the call to plant this church. And let me tell you, when I was 13 years of age, God called me into full-time ministry. 13-year-old, I said, sure, you can have my whole life. At 30 years of age with two little small ones and a pregnant wife on, with, one, with one on the way, God said, I want you to plant a church. And I was like, can we talk about this for a little while? Let's have a little conversation. And I spent months having this long conversation with God because I didn't really get point number three. See, he was already working on my heart, and I was having this long conversation, but I was struggling with point number three, that bowing thing, that by faith thing, humbly accepting it, and then just saying, okay, God, I will. I'll never forget the day that I had, a, I had an appointment with a national church coach. People paid thousands of dollars to have a few minutes of time with this, time with this guy, and I was getting a lunch for free, but he knew where I was. I don't know how. I guess he'd had one of them conversations with God, right? And we showed up to lunch, and we both got our food. We went through one of those little buffet lines, you know, where you get your food. We went through one of those places, and we both arrived at the table, and we were both standing behind our chairs right across the table from each other. We put our trays down the table, and he looked at me, and he said, now, before we have any conversation today, we're going to sit in silence until you tell me whether you're going to plant a church or not. And he pulled out his chair, and he pulled out his utensils, and he sat down, and he started eating, and there was silence. And I was thinking to myself, with every minute that passed, thousands of dollars, <laughs> people pay thousands of dollars to talk with this guy, and I'm sitting in silence with this guy right now. And the Spirit of God landed at that table. And I knew that God had called me to plant a church, but I was just afraid. I was just afraid. 
I remember just, I didn't eat anything. I was just sitting there. And I finally got number three. Humbly bow, by faith, accept the call that God's put on your life. I looked at him and I said, I'm going to plant a church for Jesus Christ. And he was sitting right there that day. He raised up his head and he finished my sentence. He said, and it will be a healthy church, a regional church that reaches lost people for Jesus, that people will be found and that marriages will be saved out of. He began to speak faith over me that I didn't even know how to speak over myself. That was the day I answered a call and did number three, humbly bowed and answered the call there at that lunch table that day. And I would tell you, wherever you're at, you want to refine your call, you want to get God clear about you and where you're going in the next season of your life, listen, it starts with the heart, right? You need to sync up your heart with his. You need to get some time with him. You need to have some conversation because that's where he reveals it. That's where he refines it. I don't care. Put life on hold. Go on a sabbatical. Go to the beach. Go for a walk. Go to your closet and shut everybody out and have some time with God, right? And when God speaks that next word, by faith, humbly accept it. You know those disciples? The disciples, when Jesus was saying, hey, listen, I want you to have this conversation. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. Remember those disciples? Man, they were a ragtag bunch. But you know what happened to them? You remember what happened, right? Their hearts were transformed. They conversed with Jesus, and along the way, they were put on mission, and they humbly accepted the call, and they changed the world. A phenomena happened in their lives. Because they got clear. One was a dang fisherman. One was a tax collector. You think they were clear on their call at all? And Jesus came into their world and he clear, clarified their calls and they changed the world. If he did it then, he'll do it now with you. Final question. What's God called you to in the next season of your life? Would you pray with me? Oh, God, I love you so much, and I just thank you that you've been speaking your word in all different people's lives. I can see it right now in this crowd. Some of us, we've just needed to have time with you to talk to you about our job, and some of us are our families, and some of us the next season. Some of us are young, and some of us are old, but God, every one of us, you know our story, and you know exactly where you're calling us. Ephesians 2.10 says, you, we are your workmanship created in advance to do good works that you have called us to do. And Lord, you've called us to this church today so we get very serious about knowing the thing you've called us to. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus you would let your word not return void today. That the people who are right here that have heard your voice, they would hear the clarion call to get their heart with your heart. That you would change their hearts. That they would create space in their world to have a conversation with you. That might take minutes and it might take hours and it might take days, but they're going to create space to have conversation with you. And that God, I know that you're not a, you're not a God that plays games. You're not a hide and seek God. You're not a shell game God. You're a revealing God. You want to show us your plan. You want, to, you want to reveal your plan to every one of us. I pray in the name of Jesus right now over every person in this place that you would, you would speak your call over the young and the old. 
over those who are leaders and those who are not yet leaders, I just pray, God, that you would speak your clarion call over moms and dads and grandmas and granddads. Speak your call over us and help us to get clear about your call, I pray. We thank you, God, that we get to do this together. What was it like for those 12 guys to journey together and each one to have a different call that you were moving them towards, but yet to know we were together on this thing and that you're doing it with all of us? That's how big you are. Do it with our church, Lord. Let us be brothers and sisters where we get to do this thing together. Together we get to run towards the God calls you've called us to. We love you. I thank you for the good work you're doing. I thank you for the good work you are going to do in our lives. And Lord, in the next few minutes, as we give to your kingdom, I pray that you would help us to give generously. And Lord, I pray that you would take our gifts and multiply them beyond our reach so that we can continue to do the ministry we're doing in this community and beyond this community. And so that the fame, so that the the good news, Jesus, of what you've done for us would continue to spread all across this planet. We give to your glory and we give in your name. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.